Ladies and gentlemen, we got news, we got sports, we got reports, we got entertainment, we got conversation. If you know what time it is, you are on the Mighty 1090 ESPN, and you are listening to your favorite show on a Monday afternoon, 6 to 7, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Browner and Lawhead, my voice. I'm John Browner, and I'm joined by comedian extraordinaire, Jason Lawhead. What's up, Jason? What up, what up, what up? Living this life, baby. How was your weekend, man? You have a good weekend? I spent my weekend uh, watching the Padres share first place, watching Chris Paul basically prove to you what he already was. I I watched the Golden Golden State Warriors return to form. Just a lot. It was a lot to take in. I went to the Sesame Street Water Park. We'll talk about about that as well at some point. Um, But that's about it. What'd you do? Not much, man. I uh, I reffed a little hoops, you know, and uh, uh, just did some writing, chilled at home, paid some bills, um, and uh, that's about it. And watch, you know, watch a little hoops more. I'm into more hoops at this time of the year than baseball yet. Um, I'm a big like last month of the guy in October baseball guy when it when it comes to like watching games. But yeah, man, the Padres. Uh, you know, uh, not surprising, but kind of surprising still. They're, they're kind of a weird team where it's like you're not surprised because you shouldn't be, but then they they kind of still are like a surprising team. It's weird. In San Diego, they're probably a surprising team. Yeah. Uh, well. Everywhere. Well, no, because they have a massive payroll. They have one. Of right. That's what I mean is like they shouldn't be a surprise. Like it shouldn't be a surprise, but it feels right. like a surprising team. It's just so, kind of a weird dynamic, but they play it well, I feel like, and they're doing it the right way right now. Um, we'll, we'll get to some, yeah. we'll get to some of that at some point in the show. Obviously uh, Padres are having a travel day. They take on the uh, Phillies coming up next in Philadelphia uh, who just were running rough shot over the Dodgers, which is always great to see. Over the weekend, we had some NBA Finals uh, steps be taken closer and closer by the Golden State Warriors, by the Miami Heat, by the Boston Celtics. But we're going to talk about what we saw yesterday from the Phoenix Suns. For those of you who don't know, Luka Doncic is a fantastic player. So is Devin Booker. So is Chris Paul. In the NBA, to, to really be a transcendent guy to to be the to get in the LeBron conversation because let's talk about guys who are currently putting on jerseys to get in the Kevin Durant level the Steph Curry well not yeah to get in the Kevin Durant level the Steph Curry level the LeBron level uh uh and I think that to me I mean to me you're asking me a question that's it to me I think that's just the group to to pierce that hole to get into that, you got to do what Luca did. Mm-hmm. Yep. To get into that area, you to get into the households as a one-name guy, you got to do that. Giannis was on the verge of doing that, but he couldn't pull through. When, when he lost a guy and the other team didn't, he couldn't pull you through. Yeah, I don't know if you can put that on Giannis that this series lost because I do believe that uh... – you know, he has pulled through. I think he has answered that message already, and he was getting ready to do it. You know, I mean, Middleton doesn't go down. They're a tough team to knock out. But that's my whole repeat. point. 
That's my. But what I'm saying is, they still get to seven. He still does what nobody else did in a in a seven game series when it came to points, blocks, steal, rebounds. You know, um, uh, so look, Boston was better prepared for that matchup over the seven games, and and I just think that CP3 not there. Um, Booker not there yet. Yeah, a lot, a lot of guys that think that they're there, I agree, aren't there. And I think Lee, Luca definitely made a breakthrough. But uh, let's see, can he finish? We're gonna see. This series against the Warriors is really, I think, gonna be the point where does he still need another wall or two to break through before we do put him in that air? Yesterday was big, no doubt. But it gets easier as the game goes on. It's it's easier to stomp out a guy that's stomping out it's himself in a way. You know, it's easier to kick a guy that's down that that's already you know cr- created his own demise, which the Suns did. I mean, that thing was over before it started, and so yeah, great way. And Luca did set the whole tone, and it was heads and shoulders above, and it was embarrassing if you were a member of the Suns or a fan of the Suns. I mean, it couldn't get more embarrassing. 47-point lead in a game seven. I mean, that's just – that doesn't sound right. But um, this is going to be the big series. Bigger stars on the floor. You know, as great as Chris Paul is in our eyes, you know, yesterday I think really torpedoed a a part of his extended legacy. We always had that leash for Chris Paul, or at least a lot of the me, a lot of the people that did it. Oh man, he's still a gamer. Yeah, he's never won one, but boy, he's getting teams close. He's right there, and but his durability always comes into question when he falters. And then yesterday was more than that. That's got to be from a star, probably. I would say the worst two-way effort in the history of a game seven in the history of basketball that had to be from a guy you are relying on absolutely one of the worst games ever played by an nba star at any level ben simmons has been clowned in nba circles for not shooting for not taking one shot under the basket in a playoff game we've now seen two guys james harden do the exact same thing and Chris Paul basically do the same thing throughout the entire game, and they will not receive the same level of criticism that Ben Simmons did. Yesterday wrote the book on Chris Paul, and it closed it. Chris Paul has lost every game seven. Chris Paul has lost more series up 2-0 than any active player. <laughs> Chris Paul has given you a blueprint for an organization on what not to do. Do never sit in the moment. When the Phoenix Suns went to the finals, they would have given Chris Paul whatever he wanted. Whatever he wanted. Not knowing that you giving a guy who will be making $50 million when he's 40 years old. And he's 37 Mm. right now. Good God. He's 37. That's what he looks at. at, That's what he looks like at 37. By the way, he won't be 36 next year. He's getting older. Yeah. He's not going in reverse. His paycheck's going up. Wow. His age is going up. His production's going down. Chris Paul has fooled people long enough to, to get that money. And he Chris Paul going to be fine. The legacy of Chris Paul, not so much. Because no. I think at the end of the day, Chris Paul's going to be like Charles Barkley. People are going to like him on TV. 
He's going to take his image in a different direction. But at the end of the day, he'll be a great player that didn't win anything. Because people want to call him, oh, he's the point god. Chris Paul has been overrated for so long, and it finally caught up with him. It finally caught up with him. Pat Beverly, who's now scorching him on television left and right, <laughs> said Chris yeah, Paul, he, he, right, he tweeted before it happened. He, rough. He's been rough on him. He said, let's see between on the, he said, let's see on the Suns who fakes the injury first because this game is getting blown out. And you know what happened this morning? Chris Paul hurt quad. So this idea that he's always been this, this high level, this LeBron, this KD level, this Curry level player, it's narrative. It's false narrative. And so I like Devin Booker. But before before Chris Paul showed up, because, again, Chris Paul is good, Devin Booker was winning, like, 13 games. That's how they got the number one pick, which brings me to DeAndre Ayton. Someone's got to make a decision. And I think they're about to make the wrong decision because they're going to let DeAndre Ayton walk for nothing. Unless they do some kind of sign and trade, this man about to walk for nothing. He was the number one pick. Number two is Marvin Bagley, who's now in the Detroit Pistons, not the team he was drafted on. And the third pick was... The third pick was Luca, who was then traded for the fourth pick, which was Trey Young. Of those four dudes, Marvin Bagley, you're out of the conversation, so bye. DeAndre Ayton has been to the NBA Finals. Trey Young is carrying the Atlanta Hawks on his back, even though he's 90 pounds. And Luka Doncic seems to be amazing, but what will he win? And if you're asking me, you cannot let DeAndre Ayton walk because he has a problem with Chris Paul. You got to figure out your Chris Paul problem. Because your Chris Paul problem hurts you on the court now, it's going to hurt you in your pocketbook. And you just can't have that. Yeah, I mean, uh, the Suns are in a they're in a, a mess. And you're right. I mean, unless Chris Paul can somehow take a back seat, I think, in the next few years and be a off-the-bench role player and just be a guy that gives you some competitive fire, I think we've seen uh, the end of whatever you thought Chris Paul could do. Yeah. Um, I, you know what I mean? Like, I think I think yesterday was the end of what you hoped he could still do. Like the Chris Paul you thought was in there, the Chris Paul you see getting getting after it and getting gritty and getting, uh, you know, um, you know, that leadership, that that guy that, you know, you feel like on the surface is great for the locker room. He's great to have over an 82 game schedule. He's great to have when you're going into battle. I think that that has been. Th those cards have been shown and they're just really not there. That was a smoke and mirrors, you know, overrated. You said, absolutely. And I think instead of what we should have really been uh, evaluating Chris Paul at in the beginning and during his career, if we were really honest, we would have probably said, Hey, this guy can be an overachiever, you know, yes. a guy you don't pay a lot to, but is scrappy is good. And you know, Hey, yeah, 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 he might, he might, he might fall like a, a cheap, you know, deck of cards in a game seven, but he's still an overachiever. Instead, we overrated this guy as a great instead of giving him his due as maybe just an overachiever that can help a team and be a and be a, an ingredient instead of a star. And uh, I think that really yesterday was kind of like finally like all the times they they have it rubber stamp. Yeah, he's just like sorry, you know, it, the rubber stamp hit him yesterday and. Where does his last few years of his contract, where does he go as someone that you can actually look in, in, in the face and go, yeah, dude, like 
we can rely on you're a leader it, that that's over I, I i think when we look at to close the book on the suns for this year i think they're at a massive crossroads for a team that was in the finals last year they got out of it this year in the second round because you can have a flash in the pan moment depending on what happens around you in the league because mm-hmm. i don't believe the bucks make it to where they make it to if uh, uh james harden doesn't get hurt and he's one-legged and Kyrie doesn't hurt his ankle a couple games before they play the Bucks. If that doesn't happen, Giannis doesn't have a title. True. Yeah. If that, if that, doesn't, ha- if that doesn't happen, things are a lot different. And so, and there were a lot of things that happened for the Suns to make their mark. Absolutely. The, the Lakers West, got hurt last. Every West. round, the best player on the other team got hurt, yeah. including Kawhi Leonard not being able to get hurt against the Jazz, not being able to compete against the Suns, and Paul George taking them to seven games. Yeah. So, Things work out the way that they work out. But going forward, the NBA, especially the Western Conference, is going to get a lot more healthier next year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to the Suns. But the Dallas Mavericks are the surprise in this entire thing. They're the person who crashed the party who wasn't invited. Nobody wanted Jason Kidd to be the head coach in Dallas. Nobody thought after they traded Porzingis that Spencer Dinwiddie would be of any importance. You guys probably don't even know who these people are. But what I will tell you is this. I hope they had a good time because that ride is over. Golden State finna punch that ticket on to the finals. I, I've thought about this hard for a, day and, for a day and some change. I don't see in any way, minus injury, minus injury, that Dallas can beat Golden State four times in seven games. I don't. I see why they beat Phoenix. Yeah, absolutely. Phoenix has one score. That one guy who can <clears> score. The, the, the Warriors have four guys who can get 30. And the chances of all of them having an off night like they did in Memphis when they were down by 53, that had that had never happened before. And I don't see that happening again. Yeah, I mean, uh, here's what here's what the difference with Golden State and Phoenix is. And, and you can see it in uh, what happened over Phoenix. We not just point to what we just said about Chris Paul. But then you go, look, man, guys that, somehow showed up last year for Phoenix, didn't show up. Payne, Jonathan, these guys didn't come with anything that they came with last year. And now what the Warriors do is they're healthy with depth and they can come at you with double teams. So Luka is going to get squeezed. They are going to be able to actually throw a double team that means something at Luka when he comes across half court or on his way into half court. And the Mavericks are going to have to win that that or have any chance by other guys being so active, so aggressive and so smart and instinctive on, on, on rotating the ball and moving the ball and maybe making the extra pass or sometimes not making that extra pass and then going and attacking the goal and having to put golden state on their heels, defensively back guard in the basket, because if they'll, if they, if they think they're going to rely on Luca against this kind of talent, this kind of depth, this kind of coaching, you know, what what Phoenix really lacked at the end of the day was any real players playing, you know, good basketball. And and we went back to the first game of the playoffs. And I remember we had a discussion and that's when I my eyes were open when they lost that game to, to New Orleans. And you were like, well, I'm not really worried about it. It's a game when I go, I am at home against a team that won 36 as a play in team. I said, you know what? Right now on that first day, I said, I, I that does not look good and bode well, in my opinion 
for what this team looks like because even coming into the playoffs, they haven't had to play any hungry basketball. And some of those guys that were so big for them last year in, yes, the Western Conference was a little weak this year, but I think the Western Conference, at least top heavy, was strong in the playoff picture. Last year, it wasn't. It wasn't strong in the playoff picture. And you're right, Phoenix was able to take advantage of going through that kind of uh, garden that was a lot easier to turn. Guys were getting hurt. Teams weren't as good that were in the playoffs other than Phoenix. And now you've had you've got a, a Warrior team that's had a good season and they're and they're good. You've had you've got a Mavericks team that is much kind of like Boston. You know, they got hot when their record wasn't great and they just stayed playing blazing basketball from the second half all the way into the playoffs. And they're playing their best basketball as they keep playing more basketball. So um I think they have a chance. I'd still like Golden State in six because I think Golden State's locked in with what they're doing but um if they can beat that double team if luca can be lebron in his prime and know where to beat this team with times to score times to get away from the trap and get other guys involved and face it the mavericks gotta make stops they gotta make stops this is where i disagree with you on this series and i find it really interesting let them score 50. If, if I'm the Golden State Warriors, I'm not doubling them. I Either Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, if Andre Iguodala is healthy, and Jonathan Kaminga, and if Gary Payne II comes back later in the series, which they said he might. I'm letting those five guys determine whether or not he gets 50, whether he gets 40, whether he gets 30. I'm not doubling. I'm rotating healthily, but I'm not doubling. You know why? Because when you double, Spencer Dinwiddie can get 30. When you double, Jalen Brunson can get 25. No, 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 no. Because we got enough defenders that we're going to let you get the 40. So you, you'll you look good. Your average will be great. Jalen Brunson's going to average seven points. Spencer Dinwiddie's going to average 12 points. Because our A1 defenders are guarding them too. Because we have more than one. I think the problem what happened with Phoenix is they got scared off because he was scoring so many points. Like, he's not going to score 80 points. The Warriors will score 110. So you got to tell me, you got to find somebody to score 50 more points for you if he gets 60. He's got to get 60 if well, you're going to beat me, if I'm the Warriors. he got to get 60. And I don't think he can do that well, repeatedly. The problem with the, with the Suns weren't they were disrupting him at all, right? So he was able to right. score. He was able to score and then get everybody else to score. I think Exactly. The, I think the Warriors' success lies in speeding up the game and getting a lots of shots off by other players. What Luka does is, is he slows the possessions down. And if he's not the one scoring and someone else, see, what, what the Warriors need is missed shots, right? They need missed shots in faster pace so they can get going because you can give up 50. I, the, the thing that we're, I, I worry about with a guy like Luca and a guy like, you know, with the way the, the way the Warriors play is you're taking it out of the net a lot and you're letting the Mavericks get back down on defense and create situations for you ha to have to really execute and run offensive plays to score against them putting the ball in the basket at a slower pace game because Luca can slow it down. So I just think to speed up the game, they're going to really throw two guys at Luca around half court and try to get shots off early. And if Dimwitty hits yeah, them early, they're, they're going to take it out of the net early and quick, and they're going to move the ball because they've spread the floor a little bit and they've created quicker shots. And if the misses come off, the Warriors are going to run, which where, where they want to go. 
Um, that's a, to me, that's a recipe for disaster because you're at, you're you're getting these other guys active. You're getting them involved in the game. You're getting them rhythm shots. So by the time the fourth quarter comes, these aren't pressure shots. These guys. Well, then you can go play Luca one on. You can go play Luca to the point to say, you know, here we are. We're in this game. This game favored our pace, and now you have to beat us with a twenty-point fourth quarter. And I'm um, I'm not letting other. I'm not letting the other guys who they're not as good as our other guys. They're not going to beat us. They're not going to. You will. I'm going to make you do it by yourself. And and no individual in the current setting of the NBA can do that because they it doesn't happen anymore. One guy can't beat you anymore. And so I'm not doubling him. I'm not rotating. I, I'm I, You, Andrew Wiggins, you guard him. However that shakes out, that's what it yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, Draymond not Green, a bad strategy. Draymond yeah. Green, you got him, Clay Thompson. You got Dinwiddie. Uh, 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 you, you got Brunson. Stay on him. That's it. Stay on us. We'll be back. Brown and Lawhead, Miter 1090 ESPN. Welcome back to the Mightier 1090 ESPN. ESPN Mitre 1090. If you're in your car, if you are not in your car, you're on the internet listening to this via podcast. You're doing it through probably iTunes podcast. Uh, apparently, we're showing up on e- iHeart. Uh, podcast. I don't know how that's even possible because they don't pay us to do that. So they're stealing. Um, also, you can watch our lovely faces on the YouTube at Captain the Crew as well. I'm John Browner. I'm joined by Jason Lawhead. I also just had a small burp come out. That was the palpitation you heard. Uh, we were talking previously on the show about what was going on with the Suns. We were talking about what's happening next with their the Dallas series against Golden State. We disagreed on how the 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 defensive strategy should be so obviously yeah, let's wait and find out how it turns out. Um, Jason. Yeah. The Padres are in first place, brother. I mean, they tie with the Dodgers, mm-hmm. but they're in first place. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of baseball, but it's a good stuff. Look, it's better than being in last place, right? Um, it's better than being the Diamondbacks yeah. or the Reds or the Pirates. Oh, yeah. No doubt. And it's so good to Reds be in got first no place. Hit. The Reds do a no hitter and still lost. Ain't that something? Well, that's bad, huh? That's how you know you. That's how you know you're bad. That's like when you uh, what they call it? They're like shooting blanks. <laughs> Whew. Yeah, no, the Padres, man. You know their franchise player is not with them, and they're in first place. And obviously, what we're looking at so far, the toughest division in baseball, uh, wins are gonna are so important in that division because it's gonna take a lot of them to win it and it's gonna take a lot of them to be considered a wild card team to come out of there um so yeah if you're at uh you know mid-may you get to june 1st in in first place tatis comes back sometime what in july uh i saw a report that it was uh late june late june okay yeah, I mean, if you get Tatis back before the All-Star game, that'd be, you know, and you're sitting around first place or you're, you know, jockeying back and forth with the Dodgers or the Giants for it days, you know, as the days go on. That's ni- that's a nice feeling. You get Tatis back in the lineup if you're right there. I honestly believe more important than Tatis, and I know people go up in arms about this. Maybe they won't, maybe they will. It's it's vitally important that they maintain the pitching. Oh, of course. It's vitally important. The idea that Tatis will come in and then the offense will pick up, that is not promised. 
It just simply isn't. To the way baseball hitting works, you can have a bunch of guys get hot at the same time. Mm-hmm. But those All those same guys can get cold at the exact same time. For me, it, with this team, I'm going to stick with what I've been saying since they broke uh, spring training or training camp. Let the pitching drive the bus. Let the pitching, you got seven potential starters. Put some of those guys in the pen. Rotate them in and out of starters. But what you need to do at the end of the day is make sure that you can hold teams to four runs and under as much as you possibly can. Because if you can, if, if you think you can go five runs and more every game, then your pitching cannot give up more than you can get. And if your pitching is bad, you're screwed when it comes time to actually win because no baseball bats are that prevalent, that consistent throughout the year once they start facing better pitching. So I'm, I, I, I'm dying on that hill. I, I, I'd be great when Tatis comes back. It'd be great if they, if, if they hit one through eight throughout the – well, one through nine now because of the DH throughout the lineup. But if they don't, I'm not going to – you know, I'm not going to uh, break the glass in case of emergency – because I'm more focused on the pitching being consistent. And right now it has been, and I hope that that continues. Yeah. Bottom line, it's all pitching. It's all pitching. It's going to all have to be pitching. And, you know, the nice thing about October is even with, you know, I like, you know, what your scenario is, is, you know, using more guys, maybe even, you know, lengthening the rotation. Um, Because when it comes to October baseball, uh, even the conventional teams that still stay hard line conventional, they they they're lucky enough to keep a five man unit uh, healthy all year and make most of their starts. And you know, even you know, try to use the bullpen. Obviously, bullpens are more used more than ever. But like, even the most traditional, once October comes, you throw all that out. That's always been thrown out the window. You yeah. know, like, hey, this guy, we're just going to get a start. This guy may have not started much more than five or six times all year, but we're going to give him the game three start. Or we're going to the bullpen in the third inning and we're going to use five, but we know we're using five bullpen guys today because, you know, the, so, you know, those methods, uh, you know, can, why can't they be a, a construct of the regular season, right? So, um, you know, is if it, if it keeps the pitching healthy, you know, in short terms and long terms, and at least rested, and and those arms are fresher come September. September is the real going to be the real battle. I really think that September really tests you now in baseball when you're a contender and you're running, uh, you know, in a pennant race more. Um, because there's more teams out to get you because there's more teams in the pennant race. Back in the old days when it just like you had to just win your division and get in, you know, you could have a favorable September schedule of the teams that have just packed it in or play and are playing the minor league extended roster. Well, that with interleague and with 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 more teams, more, with more teams, teams uh, you know, uh, having that two, three game out scenario and, and they're playing the same way you're playing. That's the tougher baseball almost in October now because, you know, you get to October and now you know, okay, there's only a few in our sights. If we beat this team in advance, it's either one of these two teams. So um, that's where that pitching's got to be really on point and healthy. And you're right, you know, much more important than a Tatis. If you were to say like, hey, we're going to have to push Tatis's timetable back to September, but guess what? Our pitching's going to all, yeah, we guarantee our pitching's all going to be healthy and fresh, and the arms are going to be strong and, and make their starts up until then. I'd say, give me that. 
Give me that because yeah. I know that that's going to get me closer to first place to win the division. And if Tatis comes back, because you're right. Hey, a Tatis, sometimes you, you don't know. It just it doesn't mean the offense is instantly going to get better. Yeah, he's a more valuable player, but you're right. Like sometimes a lot of those home runs come in a seventh inning of a game where you're getting blown out. And he, yeah, he hit yep. five home runs in two weeks, but three of them were solo jobs. One was in a game that we had already won. It was late innings. One was didn't determine it. And like, yeah, maybe one of those five home runs was a big game breaker. Uh, but those are five games. That's one. That's 20% of those amount of games, maybe. So yeah. Uh for the Padres to definitely compete to win the division, if they're gonna be a division winner, it's all gonna be on that pitching staff being there in September and October. That's got to be the thing that if you are in that front office, if you're in that locker room, that's got to be the number one thing that you're focused on. I, If I'm in that locker room, uh, if I'm in my clubhouse, if I'm in that front office, I'm not thinking about next year. I'm thinking about this year. I'm thinking about the postseason this year. And this roster that we have right now, how do we strengthen this? How do we improve this to make sure that by the time we get post-All-Star break, that we don't have four pitchers hurt? We don't have two guys with Tommy John. We don't have another guy with a quad. We got another guy with a shoulder. We need to manage this because we now have the arms. We have the bodies. This is the first time starting this week that the Padres will have the rotation that they believe they'd have two years ago. That's you, Darvish, Mike Clevenger, uh, um, um, Snell, uh, uh, Blake Snell, Darvish. No, I already yep. said Darvish. Um, Joe Musgrove. And what is this? Uh, and Mackenzie Gore. Right. They're all available now. They're all available. And now you've got Manaya added into this. Like you got Manaya. Nick Martinez added into this. You have everything you need to make sure that you can swap guys in to keep arms rested for at the end of the year. Because a lot of these guys are free agents, so they want their numbers to be right. But if you are a World Series winning pitcher hitting the free agent market, you won't be able to fight off the amount of money people are going to be throwing at you if you take them out. Because like you said, in the playoffs, your rotation becomes three deep. Right. If you're lucky and they're healthy and you're confident that they've got the, you know, uh, the ability to go out there and give you those innings and those starts, yeah, at that time of year. You got to hope that you're you're three deep and, they're, and you're just, you know, feeling good about all three's arms and health and, and where they're at. I mean, you've seen a lot of great pitching staffs a lot of great teams go in with three and you know some of those horses are gassed you know back yep. in the day the indians and kluber was a gas he was a you yep. know so you know he he wasn't even worth a darn in a couple of those postseasons and and so the, you're relying on a guy like uh J T tomlin or somebody like a tomlin like a you know an off-speed 80 you know, jamie moyer all of a sudden you're hoping this guy who was your fifth guy all year is gonna get you over uh a playoff big win, you know, so um, all that kind of stuff changes then. And, and, you know, good pitching or at least stable pitching, you know, reliable pitching that, that can win you games through teams hitting slumps, but guess what? Yeah. Yes. Guess what? Tatis or not, this offense isn't good enough to bat their way through pitching slumps and win games. So uh, that's One another the, reason. The reason, the reason why I 100% believe this philosophy because I watched the Kansas City Royals win the World Series with no offense. I saw them mow through the regular season with just pitchers. If they got to the sixth inning with their starter, you were done. 
Because they had a guy in the seventh inning, mm-hmm. a guy in the eighth inning, a guy in the ninth inning. The door was closed. Right. They carried that all the way to the World Series. And the only reason why they didn't repeat that, because they had to pay all these guys, and they yeah. traditionally don't have money. Norbrist went to the Cubs. and Right. Yeah. So, well, yeah, then the you're right. They had three good hitters. They had a middle of the order that could yep. break the game open, and then they ran the bases really well. And, and you're right. They put so and much just, pressure on you just, to score – in the first six innings, mm-hmm. and if you didn't, Rejected. you felt like the game was over. Yeah. And so I, I think that that is a much easier way and with a, with a payroll like this team has. If you can find that formula, if you can find those arms, that is the best way to go about doing it because that is the one consistent that will never go away. Good pitchers either get Tommy John or they go into the Hall of Fame, one or the other. One or the other. And so we'll we'll, we'll see. I, I like the Padres' chances of going forward. I love the fact that they're in first place. I love the fact that they the Dodgers seem to, with Kershaw being out and, and Urias looking terrible the other day, they've got they've got some run now. They've got the Giants coming up after they've got the Phillies. So we're about to get back into some more division games where we can start pulling it's away It's going to be teams. a fun summer in San Diego, downtown near the ballpark, all summer long. People, you know, you're going to see uh, – you know, now with the weather getting better, you're going to see more people showing Padre pride out at the beaches yeah. and the fairs and all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a blast. So this is the part of the show where I think this is where this is probably some of our, our best stuff that we do. And it's not sports related. So that's why I saved it to the end. This thing that happened in Buffalo these 10 people being murdered by this, I, I won't even give him the courtesy of calling him a psychopath because that would mean that there's something psychologically wrong with him, and I don't think it is. I just think it's hate. I think it's race. I, think this, this, I mean, I don't think it is. This man told you he was racially motivated to carry out these attacks. So the idea that we now have to watch him be referred to as a teenager, quote-unquote, as uh, uh, mentally ill, quote-unquote, which... I don't, this is always, I have the same argument every time this happens when there's a mass shooting, because that's what this was. This man purposely went out of his way to body himself in armor, body himself in fatigues, drive three hours away from where he lives to a predominantly African-American community and murder people. That's not a crazy person. That person doesn't didn't have a psychological break. He was filled with hate, and he told you that because he wrote 300 pages of it. He had absorbed all this misinformation that we keep telling people about over and over and over again on Twitter and TikTok and, and, and these news programs that these people are spewing these, these, these replacement theories and all these other illogical things. An 18-year-old... I mean, you want to call him a man, sure. Ruined 10 lives. And in addition to those 10 lives, the ripple effect that those 10 lives being ruined, what they did to the other people. Because he didn't think it was, I don't know, right for them to be on this earth. He thought that he could change the balance of voting by taking a weapon of mass destruction and killing 10 people. I am all for people having guns. I mean, truth be told, I own a weapon. 
I didn't want to, but I had to. So I'm for people owning weapons. That weapon, weapons that can do that type of damage in that short period of time should not exist in our country, period, end of story, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, my biggest issue with the gun culture is the culture part of it, not the gun part of it, right? Like, I own a gun. What's weird about gun culture across the board, it's like when you see, like, these people that are running for congress and their, their christmas cards are like oh. okay all the kids everybody get on the stairway in order of uh age and hold your ar-15 and we'll you know near the 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 the, the decorated uh, uh let's get one out in the yard everybody with their rocket launcher and the whole arsenal and we'll get a nice family photo op for the campaign trail um this like oh my god look at my gun like this that part of the culture like who cares like just like know that like we have the second amendment and uh respect it to the point where it's like yeah i got it's like these people that like take pictures with them these people oh yeah yeah anybody anybody that takes i mean look at these people these are the types of people like they look like that's why i'm like i do a joke in my act where i'm like these militia guys i mean they look like they've, you know, why does every one of them look like they've slept with more guns than women in their life? Because they have. And what you're seeing in Buffalo is just here, here in, in my opinion, what you're seeing in Buffalo when you see more of these types of hate and racially motivated crimes for the most part, um, especially when it's with these very young people that haven't even had enough time on life to be hardened by it you sit there and you go um it's a, a so in my my opinion it's a social media effect for a lot of people who are in the age group whereas you know their earliest memories of like life and just interaction with anything their social media has been around and has grown at an accelerated rate from the time they were maybe six eight ten and now if you're eight it's right if you're 18 if you're 18 or 20 or 21 or 22 social media has been around in some form of your life for all of it most like all All of it it. and it's accelerated greatly in the most impressionable of your years if you're going to talk about the last seven to eight to ten when this these kids were 10 to 11 12 15 15 and what has happened in a lot of respects, and this even goes for older people that have now been introduced to the world and they some older people that just like have no other lives except, you know, getting home from work or being on Facebook and then doing arguing about every election or whatever they are doing it all day long with other people like, you know, joining groups, like literally having to join social groups on a social network. It's it's and 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 what has happened is, in my opinion, you've seen a lot of people who uh, all of a sudden got this megaphone, right? This huge megaphone to say, do, and think, and, and think that they're out in the world because there's a, but what, but what they found out was even with that megaphone, nobody's listening. Nobody cares. They're hmm. still irrelevant. But what it, it, their problem is, is they're irrelevant now in a world that compares relevancy versus irrelevancy. So they, so they 
are tangled up in this comparison world. But at the end of the day, social media hinted that they can be relevant now. Somebody can hear all the things you never got to say. But guess what? Nobody still cares, bro. Nobody cares. And it kills you. And it seethes you even more that nobody cares. And the more things that you read and the more this guy's meme posts fires you up and it just boils more rage because you're just sitting reading the next meme that comes across and reading the next thing that Black Lives Matters did and reading the next thing that Antifa did and reading the next thing on how it's not fair to be a white guy and reading the next thing. And all of a sudden, deep down, you know, nobody cares what I think because I'm irrelevant. And when you can't grasp irrelevancy in life, we're all irrelevant. You could live to be 138 years old and be the have the five lives like Forrest Gump. And when you die and then the history of it all, you're just were pretty much irrelevant. And it's this place where they they're believed into thinking that I'm a, I should I should be relevant. Everybody should care what I think. Everybody should care what I say. I, I my opinion is the one that and when it absolutely doesn't and you're just another irrelevant number, they can't take it. And all of the things that have been boiled up and churned up in some of these people and it's just different degrees this kid's 18 he decided to do that which is just a horrific horrific interpretation of his irrelevancy and his and then there's guys that'll punch a a a, a flight attendant and that's the that's the furthest they'll ever go with their just rage of irrelevancy and then there's some guys that'll go to the capitol and um, that's really what it is. And it's just basically, it's almost like a reverse exhaustion. They're exhausted on their own irrelevancy. It actually gives them energy. I couldn't have said it better myself. That's why I shut the hell up and let you speak. Jason Lawhead, John Brown, and Brown and Lawhead. We'll see y'all tomorrow.